0: Well, welcome to Father's Day, and as we think about Father's Day, obviously we think about those who are earthly fathers, but I just want to remind us all that every Sunday, in fact every day, is our Heavenly Father's Day and the one we need to remember. And so on this Sunday in which it is Father's Day, we're going to be thinking about what God has done in the past and how that affects us now in the present and even as we look forward to the future. But we want to remember that in the midst of all that we go through, it's God's way out when we're in the midst of challenges in life. You know, it, it is a challenge to be a father that spends quality time with his children. And I was uh, reading the story about uh, this young father, and he's out with his young son, and they were out in the kind of the wilderness mountain area. And as they were just walking uh, just around, all of a sudden, the the young son uh, noticed something that caught his attention. It was a, a dead bird, and so he turned to his father and said, uh, w- w- "What happened to that bird?" And the father thought for a moment and said, "Well, in a real spiritual way, said it it, it passed away and." And flew in, into heaven. And the boy thought for a moment, and then he said, "Well, well, if it flew to heaven, why did God throw him back?" <laughs> you know, as you think about life, it's filled with all kinds of little challenges as we think about what goes on. And as we think about life as well, I was thinking about this one company that I read about, and they had this great big contest that they wanted to hold in their community. And say they did a lot of advertising. They asked children in their community to answer this one question. If they were to win, they would get this fantastic prize. And the question was, what was the nicest thing my father ever did for me? And so as they thought through that, they would respond with a short letter describing what was the nicest thing their father had ever done for them. And here was the winning answer. The winning answer was this. The nicest thing my father ever did for me... Was to marry my mother. Well, you know, think uh, as we think about the title of the messages this morning, or the message this morning, making the right choice. As you think about being a great father, the best way to be a great father is to marry the right woman. And as we think about that, that, to be a great father, it's also being connected to someone who is the great example for us, which is our heavenly father. And so we look back in the past, what God has done. It, it gives us some clues about what it what it really, really, really takes to make right choices. And hopefully as we share this message, as we think it applies to us all, that we really would come to that conviction that it really is important for us to examine the choices and decisions we make and are they the right ones? Or to put it another way, are they they the wisest choices? Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, be careful how you walk or how you live, not as unwise people but as wise. And wisdom is all about making the right choices at the right time in the right way. And so we want to look at that this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to to turn to Exodus, and we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 19, we're going to drift back a little bit to Exodus chapter 18, but we're going to look at what is so true about life. It's it's really all about choices. If you could give me the choices a, a person had made in his life from the beginning to the end, I could paint a pretty accurate picture of the type of person he really was or is. And as we think about that, that is true about us as well, that the choices that we make really begin to shape who we are. And as we think about that, and we looked at last week, and we had the message on having the talk. And having the talk was all about, first of all, understanding what's the most important talk. And there's a lot of talks that are important in life. And we know that really, really graphically now in our nation. But what God would say, and what we would say, having the most important talk is, have you made that talk? And have you made that choice, helping people to to make the choice to really know God? And, And we look back at Exodus chapter 18, and Moses had the talk with Jethro. And after he had the talk, this was the decision that Jethro came to. And I know I didn't explain it really well because I had a number of people ask me, did Jethro ever become a child of God? Uh, Well, my understanding of the text is when he had the talk with Moses, he came to that conclusion. In Exodus chapter 18, it says, So Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who delivered you, speaking to Moses and his people, from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of of Pharaoh. And who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. He's your deliverer. He's your savior. And I'll have to look around and look at the results of it. You were delivered. You were saved. And then he makes it personal. He says, now I know, I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. And he wasn't saying that there were other gods, but the gods other people have made. He said, look, God is the God. He is Yahweh, the self-existent one, the eternal one. He is the true one. I know that the Lord, Yahweh, is greater than all the gods. Indeed, it was proven when they dealt proudly against his people. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And so he made the choice, he made a choice, the most important choice to surrender his life to the living one and only true God. And and it showed in his life because his immediate response was to spend time with God's people and particularly to worship the one and only true God. So what's really important, and let's be honest, let me break in here as a father of four children who are now adults. I don't know if they want me calling children anymore. But what is my heart passion for them? My heart passion for them now is what my heart passion was them through all the years I had maybe even a greater influence on them when they were younger. I wanted them to learn to make right choices, to make wise choices. And let me just tell you, not as a pastor, but just as a follower of Jesus, my passion was for my kids to make the choice to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. To make the choice, there is no more, no greater decision or, or commitment to make than to commit to know the one and only true God. But as we think about make, having the talk, and we talked about that last week, having the talk, make the most important talk and help people make the most important choice. Uh, there are other choices in life, and, and those illustrate, are, are we really following what God wants us to do and to be. And, and, and Moses had an, an immediate opportunity to show Jethro that, that uh, he could be an example. And the way he could be an example is to, to listen to his, his, his father-in-law. And, and so Moses had a choice after he gave Jethro a choice. And really, the choice that, that, that Moses had, was he going to listen? Was he going to be teachable? He, he, he was the leader in that community, in that world, in that time for God's people. And he had a choice whether he was going to be a good leader or a bad leader, an effective leader or an ineffective leader. And for a person to have influence or to lead, they have to be willing to listen. And so Moses had a choice. Was he going to listen? And in Exodus chapter 18, verse 24, and we didn't really read the passage last week, but the summary of that was in verse 24. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and we know he listened, really listened. And it says, and did all that he had said. And let's speak into some of the needs of the moment. When we hear the cries of people from a variety of places, we need to recognize that the first thing we need to do who might not be experiencing what they're experiencing or what, they've ha- or what they have experienced in the past is that we need to listen. We need to listen before we try to speak, you know, if, if we were to move back a little bit into the time of Pharaoh's uh, day, and particularly times in which the Israelite nation was being oppressed, and if we were to put a hashtag about what was really important in that day, we might say Jewish lives matter. If we were to go back just a number of decades and go in that period of World War II and and, and under the reign of Hitler and what he was trying to do around the world, again, we might have another hashtag, though hashtags hadn't been invented at that time. We might say Jewish Lives Matter. And if we go to various parts of the world, and I've been in various parts of the world, there are many people who still want to put that on huge posters that Jewish lives matter because they are a hated race. But let's let's be honest that the the reason in our day that we can say black lives matter because this is their need at the moment, that throughout much of their experiences, that that message has not been communicated in graphic ways, in real ways, that their lives matter as much as people of different colors, particularly a white color. But whatever it might be, we need to recognize that there, there are lives that matter, and Probably the other group right now that I would say we need to begin at least thinking about after we've listened is that police officers matter. They're in a a horrific place right now in trying to to be those who protect and provide for others. And for us who are not in that, I'm not a police officer, I'm not Jewish, and I'm not black, uh, let's be honest, we, we don't have to have a hashtag, white pastors matter, uh, you know, as far as I know, I'm maybe looking around right now, no, no one's trying to shoot me or do something evil to me. I, I'm not an endangered species, though I, I have been around other pastors who do have, um, they have security guards uh, incognito walking around them, and that's probably because that pastor is much more prominent than I am. I'm not that prominent at all, really. Uh, but, but as we think about it, we need to recognize this, as is, is we think of all lives do matter, but everybody knows that. But there are periods of time where we need to listen. Or like in Moses' day, he needed to be teachable uh, even to his relative that really didn't have the experience that he had already had experienced, but he had something to say to him. And so we need to listen to people who have something to say to us, that we might live in such a way that, that we, would, we would be more like the living God that we're following. In Exodus chapter. 34 verse 6 the lord proclaimed who he is he said the lord the lord god is compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth so the one description for us as god's people are are we being compassionate are we being gracious whether we think they're being people are being gracious in return are are, are we filled with truth and are we slow to be angry are we filled with loving kindness That's the right choice for God's people. That's the right choice for anybody. So as we think about this Father's Day, and in case I somehow go so many different directions, you lose what am I really trying to communicate today. I'm all about making the right choices. As a father, that's my passion for my children and now my adult children, that they might make the right choices. And the first choice, of course, is example of Jethro, is do you really know God? Has he become your deliverer? Has he become the one who saves you from that which you are now in as a mess far from him? Are you a person that, first of all, if you're going to continue to make right choices, are you teachable? Do you want to be wiser in the the choices and the directions you go? But what we have here is we have an example, not only individuals making right choices, but, but groups of people or a group of people. And so we're going to look at the Israelites who had choices. And so we want to see that as we look at Exodus chapter 19, and we're going to have to race through this a little bit, but it's a great passage to kind of read slowly and kind of glean some of the things in it. Exodus chapter 19, we have these words. In the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, and it's an amazing thing if we had more time to unpack, this is the timeline in the book of Egypt, but they had basically been three months since they left Egypt, went to the Red Sea, had the encounter with needing... Food to eat and water to drink, and all the lessons God was teaching them. And now, now they had arrived at that place God wanted them to, uh, to hear more detail about how He now wanted them to represent Him by, by living in such a way that people could see that, that they had been separated to know Him and to, to show that He is real to those who did not know them, did not know Him. And this is in the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out. On that very day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai, and here we go to this, the Mount, Mount Sinai, which when they set out from Rephtim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness, and there Israel camped in front of the mountain. And what we have here, we have here God introducing details of what God wants for us and how we are to live, and you might recognize that this is a pretty big book, and all of it is uh, it is for us to learn from. Some things are directly spoken into our lives and some things we learn from the examples of others. But what he has for them at that time was something that they needed to hear and they needed to respond to. And what we have here is that God makes a covenant with them. He makes a legal agreement with them. And if you have your notes, he makes a suzerainty treaty. I had my wife look at the notes here and say, what in the world is that? And I had people on my staff ask, well, what is a Suzer, I can't even say the word, Suzer treaty Well, there's something from the, the, the Middle East during their period of time. And the Hittites particularly had treaties like that. And, and really, when we look into the Bible, one of the ways to glean more out of it is to recognize what was the culture doing at that time. And God used in this text a formal way, and it's kind of illustrated in a simple way in the Exodus chapter 19, of bringing people into a commitment that was more than just a shallow nod of the head. You see, I'm going to first give it to you verbally, and then we're going to write it all out, and this is what I want you to sign up for if you're really going to follow me and be part of my people and follow after my plan for your life. In it, in the Susurzanna Treaty, and suzerain is the idea of being someone who is a sovereign or someone who is superior to another, and then what this Suzerain would do is he would take his vassals or his subordinates. So you have someone who is a superior who now is working with the people who are uh, uh, they're his subordinates, and he's asking them to come into a, a covenant legal agreement, a, a treaty to say, this is now how, how I will live. And in many ways, what we need to understand, and this is the, this is the challenge for people who claim to, to, to follow after the, the God of the Bible, is that not only do we give a nod that we believe he exists, but he exists to the point where he has the right and authority to tell us how to live. And, and that's the message that it has in this particular text. And really what it is is I want you now to make right choices because you know what the plan is for you. And in every Surzani treaty or covenant that God would make, there would be a prelude, a prologue, some stipulations, a blessing, and then a choice. If you've ever written out a, a, a tr- living trust, you realize that they have all those legal language in, in, under certain headings, and this is kind of what this treaty was all about. And, and really, it outlined who, who was making and who was involved in the agreement and what they were supposed to do and what were, the, what were the blessings that they followed after the plan and what were the, the consequences that they didn't. And, and that's what we need to realize. The, why it's so important to make right choices because it changes everything in terms of how your life is lived. Uh, in a normal experience of life, when you make good choices, good things happen. And when you make bad choices, bad things happen. And that's what God is saying here. And all begins with the most important choice, knowing the one and only true God. Only, the one and only true God. But after that, there's so many choices that God wants us to, to live out that are wise and honor Him. So let's kind of look at that and, uh, and, and then we'll, we'll kind of hit the main things that I want to leave with you as we see making right choices illustrated out of Exodus chapter 19. The, the prelude, verse 3. Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the sons of Israel. In, in the prelude, in the prelude of this legal agreement or document, it simply does this it declares who he's talking to. And let's be honest, and maybe some of you have already checked out in terms of this message already, but, but if you're still listening, what I want to emphasize to you is, is if you ask the question, who, who are you talking to? I'm talking to you. And the reason I'm talking to you, because God is talking to all of us. He's saying, I've got something I want to tell you. He's talking to his people, but I think you could also say he's talking to any people who want to know him. And he defines the people he's talking to. It's the people that are of the house of Jacob and the sons of Israel. It's his people who are saying, look, I've identified with you. He said, oh, I'm talking to you then. This then is how you're supposed to live under this agreement. That's the prelude. and the prologue, uh, verse 4, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I, this is God speaking, bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. That's colorful language, but it simply in the prologue says this. Well, who gives you the right to say something authoritative into my life about how I should live? And God is saying, have have you been noticing what's been happening? I'm the one that has rescued you. You were in slavery. And the Jewish people have been persecuted throughout their, 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 her- their, their whole lives, and they experience brutal slavery as well. He said, I delivered you out of that. I brought you out of that. And then as you began to try to live out your life, I want you to understand, I, I was like that eagle who gets the eagle, eaglets, I guess that's what you call them, I don't know what their proper name is, but when the, the mother eagle, uh, or father eagle for that matter, tries to train the, the, the smaller uh, eaglets how to fly, he pushes them out, and with the, the wave of his wings, he can, he can lift them up before they hit the ground. And that's what God does for us. He's he's the wind beneath our wings. He he is the one who allows us to to be sustained, and he's the one who brought them out of all of their heartache and pain. It's because I have been your deliverer. I have the right and authority now to speak in your life. And let's be honest. there, There are many people, and in fact, I had some conversations this week where they were scribing themselves, well, I believe in God. And, and then, well, do you, do you want to do what God wants for your life? Well, no, I don't really like anybody telling me what to do. And, and we need to understand that when we make, in, we make, a, it, when we make that choice to know God, it, everything changes. We formally are giving God the right to manage and control and to lead and be the master of our life. And, and, and the reason, because he's good. He's the, he's the one who delivers us. So we have the prelude declares who he's talking to, the prologue declares why he's talking, and then, and then he gives some stipulations. Well, if, if that be true, if I'm going to sign this agreement, if I'm going to put my my name on the dotted line, and, and, and we don't have the time to talk about the whole history of God's covenants with people. There's basically six. There's the Abrahamic covenant, there's the Mosaic or Sinai covenant or treaty, there is the... Uh, priestly covenant, the Deuteronomy covenant, and then there's the Davidic covenant, and then there's the new covenant. And and none of these covenants uh, nullify the other, but some are fulfilled by uh, the next covenant. And it all leads us to God's presentation in the most personal way of Jesus coming here for us, where he makes that agreement based on his sacrifice and his love for us. But as we think about this covenant, this is how he wanted them to live. And here's here's what I want you to do and to be. And and in verse 5, the first part of that, it says this, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Uh, You know, we get details. In fact, the rest of Exodus goes through a lot of detail about what God wanted them to do and to be, to to be a a people who are marked by falling after his rules and his guidance. Uh, but you could simply put this, not only for them, but for us now as well, summary. What, what does God want, you, want from you? He wants you to listen to him. We talked about that earlier. If we're going to care about the people around us who are going through all kinds of heartache and pain, we need to first listen. We need to listen to them. And, and really, that's what he was saying here. Look, if, if, if you're going to be all in, if you're going to sign up on this treaty... You need to listen to my voice. You know, and for us who uh, forget sometimes what people say, God wrote it down. And so when we forget what someone has said, we can look up particularly what God has said. Listen to my voice. And then he said, oh, oh, by the way, if you're not really understanding what I mean by listen, not only hear what I have to say or or read what I've recorded for you, I, I want you to obey. I want you to obey me. See, we really demonstrate that we believe that God is good. And that He is compassionate and gracious, and slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. When when we obey what He has said, when we we trust Him enough to do what He's called us to do. So as we think about God calling people to make right choices, He said, "Look, I want you to understand that this is this is a lifestyle. This is the journey I want you to be on, and I want you to understand. I'm, I'm talking to you. That's the prelude." The, the prologue, I want you to understand, I have a right to, to speak in your life. I'm, I'm the superior, you're the subordinate. But I want you to understand that I am a good God. I've I been good for you. I've delivered you. And, and then he goes into the, the stipulations. I want to understand very simply, just listen and obey. Just take the next step of obedience if you really trust me and believe that I'm good and I have what's best for you. But then it goes on, but I want you to understand, in case you want to be encouraged, there are some blessings related to that. And then the latter part of verse 5 and then verse 6, it says this, Then you will be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be a, a, to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. And this kind of Surzani treaty and this Mosaic Sinai covenant or, or legal agreement, uh, what, what he does say, here, here are the benefits, here are all the things that you get if you really recognize that I'm speaking to you and I have a right to speak to you because I'm good and I've delivered you and I've got a simple plan for you to do. I want you to listen to my voice and obey my uh, commandments, my covenant. He, he says this, this will be true of you, you'll be my own possession, you'll be a kingdom of priests and you will a holy nation. Extra credit this we look at 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. And it really says the same thing in the New Testament that God said to his people in the Old Testament. What, what does it mean to be God's own possession that means look at you, you you're in my family. You are, you're the one I'm going to care for. I'm going to sustain you and I'm 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 going to be I'm going to be there to care for you at all times. You know, as a father of four children, uh, you know, I, in the midst of all that I did as a pastor, there were, there were times I was around a lot of children, uh, not only as a, as a pastor, but also uh, there were many times I coached athletic teams, and there were all kinds of children that I coached. And I understand I I wanted to be fair and loving and caring for everyone, but, but of all the children I've ever worked with, there were four <laughs> that I felt more responsible for. And see, that's what it really means to be in God's family. That God has created us all, but not all of us are in His family. You can be part of God's own possession, His own family. What does it mean to be part of, be a kingdom of priests? We don't we don't think about a kingdom very much in America, and we don't think about priests a whole lot unless we're in a certain type of religious faith. But what really what a priest is is a priest is a person who has access to the living God. And, and what he's saying here, look at, I want you to understand as a god who is sovereign over all who is transcendent over all i want you to understand that i'm going to be so close to those who are in my family who are my possession you you'll have immediate access to talk with me you know one of the things i try to do as a father is that when when my when my kids wanted to interrupt whatever i'm doing i would stop what i was doing to make sure i listened to them why? Because I wanted them to recognize that I was never too busy for them. And then thirdly, he says, you're going to be a holy nation. Now, holiness is, uh, sometimes gets a bad rap, you know. Uh, some people think uh, you're just holier than thou, that, that you think you're better than somebody else. No, he's saying, look, I, I'm setting you apart to be special. Then, so as you think about making right choices, God pleads for you to be a part of what his plan is, he is he is talking to you. He, he he has the authority and the right to talk to you because he's good and gracious and compassion, compassionate. He he also wants to recognize that hey, there is something. If you're going to follow him, you need to you need to listen to him and obey his voice. And you need to recognize the blessings are just are, are worth every challenge it is to follow after him. You know, it's interesting, Uh, then there becomes the choice. And it's interesting, in the beginning, the choice was made enthusiastically by God's people in the right way. In verse 7, it says this, So Moses came and and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words which the Lord had commanded. And all the people answered together and said, so this is one of those times it was unanimous, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. It's not a pick and choose. Well, you know, some things in the Bible I like and some things in the Bible I don't like. No, they, they said, look at everything you want us to do because you are good, you are speaking to us, you want us to, to follow your plan, we will do everything you want us to do. And so as you think about really connecting to, to God, as you think about making the right choice, it begins with the choice. You know, I have in your outline this, this morning, I, I, I put it this way. You need to declare your commitment. A choice will make you a Christian or a follower of God. And your choices will show you are a follower of God. You're a Christian. And really, that's the challenge. If we make the choice, we got to make sure it's, it's not superficial. It wasn't in this, the heat of an emotional moment. But no, this, this is what I want to be. And this is what I want to do. I want to follow the living God with all of my heart. As imperfectly I will do, but that's the direction I want to follow well let's let's be honest we at times and we people and we know people in our lives that that have made choices uh, to make God the leader of their life and, and now we look at that, that life and they are far far far, far from him and, and can I kind of confess what you know as a pastor of A church in our age and looking back at what I would describe our age, uh, that we live in an age where we have done the best possible way to communicate the love of God and the compassion of God and the graciousness of God. But but sometimes we don't give the whole counsel of God and and we forget to talk about the fear of God. As God makes this treaty with his people, uh, the story goes on on, and I want to just Quickly, leave us with this point. As we make right choices, and hopefully you haven't forgotten what the message is all about. The message is all about for all fathers, for all people. It's all about making the right choices. It begins with the most important choice, choosing to follow God, and then being teachable, and then listening to what God's plan is for our life. But for us to be motivated to follow after him, we need to have a healthy fear of God. Choosing to follow God requires a healthy fear of God. Let me just read the last section of this book. Exodus chapter 19, verses nine through the end of the chapter. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud, so that the people may hear what I speak with, with you and may also believe in you forever." So he was making sure that they had recognized that Moses was the appointed man of God for them. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Verse 10, the Lord also said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and and let them wash their garments. And consecrate means set them apart, make them prepared for this commitment, ongoing commitment that I've called them for. And, and, And then it goes on and says, and let them be ready for the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around saying, Beware that you do not go up to the mountain or touch the border of it, and what, whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. I don't know about you, but if, if that was the consequence for not following God completely, that, that, would, that would rock my cage a little bit. He says, you're going to be going up to the mountain, but I don't want anybody else going up the mountain. In fact, I'm going to draw a line around this mountain, and if you cross that line, this is going to be the consequence. You will die. He goes on and says this, no hand, uh, verse 13, shall shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain of the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not even get near a woman. He said, look, there's only one intimate relationship I want you to be thinking about. That's your relationship with the one and true God. Verse 16, so it came about on the third day when it was morning that there were thunder and lightning, flashes, and a thick cloud upon the mountain. And a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people were in the camp trembled. You know what the word trembled means in original language? It means they trembled. This was more than a sense of awe. They were filled with a fear that if they did not follow God's plan completely, there were consequences for not being obedient to God. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all up in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke descended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him with thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Then then Moses spoke to Moses, Go down, warn the people so they do not break through to the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. Now, God even amps it up a little bit. He says, Not only do I want you to cross the line, go up the mountain, or even cross the line, because if that happens, you will die. And not only you, but any of your animals to cross that line, they will die. And this lets even take a step further. I mean, I don't know how, how we can communicate a healthy fear of God without understanding there are consequences when we break God's plan for our life. He said, Look at. Not only will you die, but if a, one of your animals, can you imagine one of your pets, maybe a, a, you had a dog or I don't know if they had cats back then. I don't particularly like cats. But, uh, but even if they had a lamb, maybe fuzzy, you crossed that line. And, and in your best with best motive, you raced after that, that pet and tried to get it not crossing the line, but it crossed the line and you're trying to save that lamb or that pet or, or that family member. Not only did they die, but you died. And you're thinking, well, I had the best of motives. I, I felt that's what I ought to do. And God said, You might have had that motive, you might have felt that way, but that's not what I told you to do and to be. And so he was saying, I want you to understand, I want you to live by hearing my voice and obeying my covenant. Also, let the priests come, and they need to consecrate themselves. So it doesn't matter what your job is. I don't care if you feel like you're a professional Christian or professional uh person of faith, uh, they need to understand that God will break out against them as well if they disobey. And and Moses said to them, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, set bounds about the mountain and consecrate it. I don't know if you've got the picture well enough, but basically you're saying here, I want you to understand that I'm calling you to listen to my voice, obey me, make right choices. And when you don't, I'm just going to illustrate in this, these three days, if you don't obey even the letter of the law for me right now, there is death. Now, God is compassionate and gracious, and he, he doesn't throw down his wrath on us for any discretion every time we fall short of his plan for his life. But, but what he's saying to us, he has the right to bring judgment when we disobey him. There needs to be a holy fear of God. We need to make right choices. And I want you to understand, this is not fire and brimstone about hell. This was not a hell and damnation message here. It was saying, look at in your life now, don't disobey me. So what's the point this morning? <laughs> the point this morning on Father's Day As we think about a father that does love his children, what what does he want most from them and for them? He wants them to make right choices. He wants them to make the choice, to to know the one and only true God, to to know the Lord Jesus Christ who came to rescue us from our sin. He wants us to keep on making right choices throughout their life. And and, and he wants us... A father wants his children to to do this because he's talking to them out of a heart that cares about them and because he does want what was good because he's done everything he can to do what's good for his children. And he's made it plain and clear. And there are blessings involved and he wants them to make the choice but he wants them to keep on making choices that honor God and, and allow them to experience a life that only God can give. So how do we want to close this morning? We want to close very simply. Are you making right choices? And are you doing whatever you can to help other people make right choices? And there's a lot of detail in God's word about the wisest choices that we can make. But it begins with making the wisest choice. And then trusting him, relying upon him, and following his plan. Let's look to him in prayer. Uh, our Father, our Heavenly Father, who, who cares about us more than any earthly father has ever cared for. The children that He was blessed with. And Father, we recognize that some, some of us here, as we're listening to a message on Father's Day, well, that was not our experience, that we had a Father that, that cared for us or listened to us or, or wanted us to do good because maybe that Father could care less about what we were doing or not doing. But Father, You care. You care so much that that's why you sent your son. And Father, I would just pray right now that each of us might, first of all, recognize within our own heart, is, is, our, is our commitment to you just caught up in the, in the wave of people that maybe we're riding life through, maybe we were raised in a church, maybe we were raised in a family that believed a certain way, but, but maybe that isn't the heart of heart commitments that we have made, the choice to say, God, I'm yours, not only now, but forever. And then, as we live that out, Father, help us to recognize that as your people, there are blessings when we obey you and there are consequences. We thank you that you are gracious and, and slow to anger and quick to forgive. But, Father, help us, help us not have a healthy fear of the living God. And we praise in Jesus' name. Amen.